Time for episode number 22, and I promise you, I'm not bragging. Mm -hmm. This is not boasting. You understand that? I do. I know the difference. Yeah. What is the difference between bragging Bragging and and just saying, uh, and just saying it's episode 22? Yeah, I don't know. You know? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Uh, Today's guest, Ben Wright. Have you heard the Ben Wright interview? A lot of people are talking about the Ben Wright interview. Have you heard it? I have not heard the Ben Wright interview. You're going to love the Ben Wright interview. Of and course I'm going to love it. Well, you're a golf guy, yes. but people are going to immediately think, oh, he's doing golf. I'm not, I'll skip right through it. Mm-hmm. That would be, I think that would be a big mistake because I think the Ben Wright interview, when you hear it, is about a lot more than, yeah, we talked about Sergio and Tiger and all of that stuff, yeah. but we really talked about life. He and I have a relationship going back to the radio show sure. for a lot of years. It was the first time, well, when I called him to ask him to do it was the first time in three years that I had spoken to him. Wow. Uh, he's 86 years old, and the interview the following day was really special. It was really good. Oh, that's awesome. It was really nice at the end. There was some real, there's a great story. He tells an unbelievable story about uh, Tip O'Neill and Mickey mm. Mantle. I'm mm. not going to give it away. Uh, ben Wright will be uh, segment number two, or however you want to say it, interview number one. And Brian Wheeler. Did you know Brian Wheeler yeah. when he was in town? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. You, you remember Brian Wheeler? Of course. As my first partner. He was my first. You were probably playing. At UW. You were probably playing at UW when yeah. Brian Wheeler and I were working together. on the, When I came to town, Brian Wheeler thought he was going to be the midday host. He thought he was the midday host. Mm-hmm. And then they explained to him, um, you're not the midday host. Here's the midday host. And that set off a very interesting set of reactions and oh friendship over the years. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was at fir- on Queen Anne, yeah, yeah, on Queen Anne, yeah. on Queen Anne Avenue. Mm-hmm. It was first, um, I'm not getting involved with that guy, and then slowly but surely, I kind of reeled him in, and we became real good buddies and mm-hmm. friends and partners. And then he went on to his right. play-by-play thing, and he's been the play-by-play voice of the Portland Trailblazers for like 20 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, He's going to be on two segments telling stories about the early days. And (laughs) in our second segment with him, I don't know that you know the Brian Wheeler. I don't know how many people know the Brian Wheeler family story. Do you know the Brian? Oh, you're going to love the Brian Wheeler family story. His life story is kind of a made for TV movie. Really? Yeah. In the last few years in Portland, I'm not going to give too much of it away. I'll just say. You got to hear, it's a touching story, it's a great story, it's a feel-good story, it's a true story. Somebody ought to buy the story and and put it on some mm. TV show. Mm. So Brian Wheeler is a guest. Apple, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, all platforms, please subscribe and rate us on iTunes. Five stars, please. Mm-hmm. That's right. It's always five. We're not taking anything less no, than five no, stars? No. no. Uh, become a patron for as little as $5 a month and have access to all the bonus content available. Typically, we do one or two per week, maybe after Washington. When is Washington, Washington State this week? Saturday? It's Saturday. All right. Is it an afternoon or an evening? No, it's an evening game. Like well, a late, it's, an af- late? It's, an, it's an afternoon game. Okay. So it's you a- and I could do a phone conversation. Maybe. I got a plane to catch. I You're coming right game. back mm-hmm. home. Oh, we'll have to figure that out. Yeah. A little bonus episode for the patrons. Yep. Uh, after Washington, Washington State. Anyway, if you want to be a patron, go to MitchUnfiltered.com, click on Become a Patron. It's $5 a month or more, whatever it is that you want to do, and you will unlock all of these episodes, these extra episodes. The patrons have already heard the Ben Wright Mm -hmm. interview, Mm -hmm. and that's how I know that people are going to really like the Ben Wright interview because everybody has been like, 
texting and writing and messaging. Hey, that was great That's to awesome. hear him again. Uh, and a, uh, a final piece of business, a reminder, if you're enjoying this new venture that we call Mitch Unfiltered, it's imperative that you click on and you listen to at least a small portion of all the episodes. Mm -hmm. I know that we come at you, and this is the reason why we missed one on Monday. We, we kind of, one of the reasons. I figured it would be with all the snow in the Pacific Northwest and everybody taking care of their kids and kids home from school. And you had a cold. I had a cold. You were in the desert. I went away to play golf for a couple of days. Mm -hmm. I just felt like, you know, maybe... Maybe we should just skip Monday and let people click on some of the old episodes, Catch 18, up. 19, because it really helps us. Sure. It really helps the sustainability of the Mitch Unfiltered podcast. MitchUnfiltered.com, if you want to go quickly through all of the, I mean, there's lots of places you can go to your iTunes. I'm sure on your yeah. iTunes, they're all listed there. Mm -hmm. You can also just go to MitchUnfiltered.com and right there on the page is every episode one through or zero through. I guess it would be 21. 21. All right. Um, episode zero is on there as well? I think episode, episode zero. zero. The trial. Remember the yeah. trial? <laughs> I do. Remember the equipment I, I trial? I do. That was great. Do you remember it fondly, the trial? Uh, I do. It was fun to watch you uh, watch you navigate the system. Well, you're still watching. I, I, I don't know that I... I <laughs> hey, we're just going to leave that alone. <laughs> uh, the Mitch Unfiltered, the Unfiltered March Madness at Daniels. Oh, yeah. That we that we announced that we introduced in, on episode twenty one, Roberto Clemente, mm -hmm. um, sold out quick. It did sixty four seats. Bam! In fact, I got bad news for you. Uh oh! They held back a couple of seats for you and me. I didn't tell you this. <laughs> Just for us? D yeah, Daniels. Yeah, Daniels reached out and said we've sold out. We sold out like you know fifty eight of them or fifty seven of yeah. them, and then we stopped because we're holding seats back for you and Jason. I was like, no. No, we want no seats. Just you and me want a seat. No, no. Oh, your son's yeah. not coming no. to win more pool pools. No, 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 no. You know, <laughs> pools. Your your wife's not coming. Nope. No, no. And no. you're not taking my table. No, I'm not at, taking at again. I'm not right. doing that. So I yeah. just told him to release him, re release the seats. Yeah. And you and I will stand around if they can sell. So they sold out really quickly, which is really cool. That's and awesome. I'm, I'm appreciative to everybody out there who is going to join us. I guess it's March 19th. Mm -hmm. We're going to do a special fill out your bracket. It'll be the Tuesday after the, the brackets come out that Sunday, Selection mm -hmm. Sunday, and right in between then and the start, the real start of the NCAA tournament, which we assume Washington will be a part of. I hope of. so. I hope so. You and I had a little chat before we started recording, and you're, you're worried. Uh, just I would have liked to have seen them play better. Uh, against Arizona State, losing yes. is one thing. Yeah, I would have. I mean, and listen, there's a million reasons why they didn't uh, they didn't perform to their to their capabilities. They were a they were a a a beaten down crew with guys being injured and sick. But I would have liked to have seen them uh, at least play a little better. All right. Well, we're gonna go through that. Yes. And I'm gonna try to relieve you of your stress and tension. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna be. I'm going to be the even-keeled one here. Oh, okay. I'm going to try to talk you off the ledge here. Yeah. Okay? Mr. Optimism? Well, I mean, I just... I'm not ready to freak after one game, but we'll get there. We haven't started the I show know. just yet, all right? I know. It's all brought to you by Jaguar Land Rover of Bellevue. Snowy conditions, no problem. Safety is Land Rover's middle name. Check out the Range Rover, the Range Rover Sport, Villars, Discoveries of Oaks, Land Rover of Bellevue, Zeke's Pizza, looking for great pizza, and... 
an amazing assortment of craft beer, all while watching sports in a friendly environment. Try one of the 16 locations of Zeke's Pizzas. Uh, Daniel's Valentine's Day weekend is right here now. And just because you didn't take her to Daniel's on actual Valentine's Day doesn't mean there's anything wrong with celebrating at one of the four locations, Friday, Saturday, or Sunday. Call for a reservation and introduce her to Daniel's Broiler World-Class Steakhouses and Evergreen Golf Call, managing over $2 billion in assets, four offices on the West Coast. Evergreen is the premier wealth manager in the Northwest. It's time for episode number 22. Here we go. Unfiltered. It's okay to have a game plan going in, but when you're so stubborn and unwilling to get away from it because the other team is essentially daring you to do so, then we get into stupidity. Unfiltered. Guess that's what really kind of infuriates me, that we go to the offseason after a game that the quarterback was really not given a chance to win the football game for you. That's a quarterback who's the face of the organization. That's a quarterback who, as I say, in a couple of years or in a year, they're going to give, I don't know, $25, $30 million a year to. And yet, it just feels to me like they took the ball out of his hands. Mitch is unfiltered. Okay, Roberto Clemente was kind of kind of tough, yeah, kind of sort of tough. Well, what made it tough, especially a few days later, was Frank Robinson. Yeah, passing away. Mm-hmm. That wasn't that didn't make anything easy, no. right? No. But Roberto Clemente was 21. Yes. We figure 23 is going to be pretty easy. If it's not easy, you and I are fighting. <laughs> <laughs> Actual fisticuffs. If that's not See your favorite, by the way, growing up, was he your favorite? Oh, yeah. Were you out in the back with your with your tongue out trying to do what it, he did? It changed. It was it was it was Doc J early when I was real small, and then really, yeah, had a had a. When did you dunk it for the first time? Oh, not till high school. I mean, I was I was only I started high school at five six. Did you? Are you sure you dunked it? You did. Sh- you did dunk it in high school, right? <laughs> yeah. Tennis ball or the full the full thing? Two hands. Yes, Mitch. <laughs> in games, yes. At Washington. At High school, in high I know, school. I know, but at Washington yeah. too. Yeah. How yeah, many? How, how many dunks would you say you had in, in your my co- college career? In your college at San Diego State, more than Kawhi at San Diego State, or less than Kawhi? I would say less than Kawhi. <laughs> I would say less than uh, you know. You could count them on one hand. Dunks in college. Yeah. Yeah. Not not. I wasn't getting in the lane and you know dunking on people. You know, I wasn't doing. How about an uh, How about an open court steal? You were a stealer. Nah. You were a thief. How about getting your hands on one no. and, and then going down uncontested? I mean, for that's a how I would slam. get one. Yeah, that's how I would get one. Yeah, but wasn't too many. All right, so twenty one was Clemente. Yeah, twenty three will be easy. Twenty four will be relatively easy. You would think I that would we're think going so. junior. I haven't looked at all the twenty fours. We're not making this a local Seattle thing. So no. people who get a little bit their nose out of joint. Mm-hmm. It's not, this is not a local, I mean, people who were pissed that we didn't go Reuben Patterson, I'm mean, just going to have to understand. So I've got four for you on 22. Okay. I've got a 268 game winner in Major League Baseball with a 2.86 ERA lifetime and a 1990 inductee into the Baseball Hall of Fame, six-time All-Star, three-time World Series champion, three-time Cy Young Award winner, that's pretty good. Four-time gold glove, uh, three times the American League leader in wins, 
And if all of that's not enough, he was the model for underwear when he played. Oh, Jim Palmer. Jockey underwear. Jim Palmer. Jim Palmer. Jim Palmer. And I think just by being a model for underwear gets you into the conversation for episode 22. right out of the gate. Yeah. Yeah. How many times did you model underwear when you were at Washington? Mm. Let me think about that. <laughs> less less than one hand. Less than <laughs> uh, so there's there's candidate number one. Okay. I've got a 22,000-point score in the NBA. 22,000 points. Averaged over 20 a game in his career. Uh, also averaged over six rebounds and six assists per game. Ooh, Not a lot of guys going, good. going for 26 and six over a career. That's pretty good. In the NBA. He was an NBA champion in 95. He was nearly Houston. He was nearly, yeah, he was nearly a college basketball a national champion with Phi Slamma. Oh, okay. Jamma. He was okay. a 10-time All-Star, All-NBA first team. He's one of the 50 uh, the 50th anniversary, the greatest 50. Mm-hmm. He is the Glide. Clyde. Clyde the Glide. Mm-hmm. Drexler. He wore number 22. He did wear number 22. So I'm 22. throwing him into the mix. Yeah. I've got um Seattle University represented here, 22. 11-time NBA All-Star. 23,000 more points than the Glide. Averaged 27 a game in his NBA career. Averaged 14 boards a game in his NBA career. One of the greatest of all time, Elgin 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 Baylor, Baylor Mm. wore number 22. So there's your kind of local... Your local yep. flair. Yep. You're too. I'm. I'm too young. To, I'm too young to remember really Elgin Baylor. So yeah, you must no, be no, too. Yeah. Um, and then I think there's the winner. I, I don't know how you turn this guy away. The all-time leading rusher in NFL history, war number twenty-two. No brainer. And nobody likes the Dallas Cowboys except for Dallas Cowboys fans. He's also the all-time leading touchdown rusher mm-hmm. in the history of the NFL. Three-time Super Bowl champion, eight-time Pro Bowl, four-time first-team All-Pro. Emmett, he he played his ball. He played his last college football game against. Do you know the answer to that trivia question? I don't. There's a lot of people listening right now that are yelling. Well, he at their, was at Florida. Yeah, his last college football game, I believe. Somebody correct me if I'm wrong about this. I don't know. Against the University of Washington. In the bowl game. And I think the Washington Huskies defense shut his ass down, if I'm not mistaken. Go back and ch- we have to go back and check that. I'll check that during one of the one of the uh, timeouts. Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, Emmett Smith. So you got Emmett Smith. I give you those four. Clyde the Glide, Elgin Baylor, oh, it's Jim Palmer. It's Emmett. All day long. Episode Emmett. It's Emmett. Episode Emmett. All right. All right. All right. What do you think? Um, Ten triple doubles in a row in an NBA game, or thirty straight, thirty plus. You got James Harden versus Russell Westbrook. This is being debated in NBA circles. Both of those streaks, I believe, are still alive as the as of the time that we're recording this. Ten straight triple doubles, and he's averaging a triple double this year for the third consecutive year. Which averaging a triple double is insane. Nobody likes him either. No. I don't know that there's a lot of I don't know. I don't like watching Harden. We talked about this. I don't like I don't like watching Harden score the ball. I just don't like it. I don't like watching his teammates stand around. So I'm biased in this that A forget it being Harden. 
somebody scoring how many? Uh, 30, 30 straight, straight of 30, 30 or, or more. more. Right, 30 straight of 30 or more. And at the time that we're recording this, he had 20 at the half tonight. So he's on his way to 31 straight of 30 or more. I just, I mean, to to have a triple-double is a hard thing to do in one game. No University of Washington basketball player has ever done it. Is that right? That is right. Nobody's had a triple-double? No one. Nobody. Markel Fultz used to hover there almost every game. Really? And he never quite got there. And there's been, Brandon Roy's been there close a few times, but my whole point in saying that is... It's hard. It's hard to do. Harder than 30. If you're an elite scorer... In the NBA with all that time and stoppage of clocks. Plus eight more minutes a game Plus you can just keep shooting. You can just keep shooting. He's got the ball. He just keeps shooting until he gets to the 30, right? right? And all the free throws. I mean, he gets 16 or 18 free throw attempts per game. I'm not saying that what he's doing is not unreal, because it is. But I just think that 10 straight games of a triple-double, Yeah, I, I mean, it's far hard. It means you have to be doing – James Harden does not play defense at all, right? So he's on the One dimension, end. one dimension. You got a guy, he used to play defense in college. They used to say he was a great defensive player he's at a Arizona capa- State. He was always been a Had capable, a lot of steals, as I recall. Got his hands defender, on a lot of ball. But he didn't, didn't try very hard. And once nope. he got paid for it, he was like, <laughs> I, I'm being paid to put up So you'll numbers. take 10 triple doubles in a row over 31 straight 30 plays. See, it's crazy. But do you, know you know how many people in the NBA have played in the league and how many people have gotten a triple-double? I mean, people just don't do that. And especially you don't do it two and three and four and five times and ten times in a row. See, I think more – I think you'll agree. More impressive than even ten times in a row is three straight seasons averaging a triple – I mean, that's – I didn't think – I know that Oscar, Oscar the, Robertson, I, yeah. I know that others did. I just didn't think that in our like if you would ask me ten years ago, yeah. will anybody ever average a triple double? I I would have just assumed that nobody would ever do that. Mm-hmm. He's done it in three, and nobody likes him. Nobody likes Harden. You know, by the way, he's shooting twenty four percent from three point land, and he's shooting forty one percent from the field. This is with Westbrook. I was going to say he's that's averaging not James twenty. Harden. Yeah, he's averaging a... twenty-one, eleven, and eleven this year. It'll with be the those third, numbers with, with those, those yeah, terrible shooting yeah. numbers. I, personally, I like the guy who does it all. Yeah, so who do does I. a lot of different things yeah. as opposed to the guy who's got the ball in his hands and just will keep shooting until he gets to the thirty. But I don't know that. I don't know that I agree with you that ten straight triple doubles is better than. 31 straight third I need I need like 14 or 15 straight triple doubles to equal 31 or 32 straight games of 30 I don't know that 10 10 is such a a, a much smaller number even Here, though it's harder to here's do. what I would tell you about that if you told me that Westbrook had five straight triple doubles I'd still take it now you're you're giving me you need 14 or 15 I would have taken that at five Better than 30? Yes. You say five triple-doubles... In a row? Is better than 31 30-plus games yeah. in a row. Yeah, I think it's harder. I think it's harder. Well, you would know better than me. I mean, imagine imagine all the games that you could play where you can go for for 20 and 8 and 8 and you yeah. still play. But you have to get double digits. You have to get there. It's unbelievable. As we just talked about, you can just keep... Especially in Houston's... Houston's offense, he's going to shoot it 30 times if he needs to to get it. All right. Go ahead. 
crop, climb up onto the ledge and mm-hmm. tell me why they went to Tucson and won. Yeah. The streak came to an end in Tempe. You told me that a lot of guys were sick. Mm-hmm. Guys on the coaching staff were sick. Guys in the broadcast booth <laughs> were sick. Yeah. And they look sick against te- against ASU and Tempe. The streak comes to an end. Now they go to Washington State to, to face a Cougar team that, while at the bottom, just won both games in Tucson and Tempe. And I think won them both pretty. pretty oh, double digits going away. I don't know. Where does that come from? Going away. So um, why are you on the ledge? I just think it's – I'm not on the ledge. I just think it's – it was such a foregone conclusion game a week ago. Yeah. That now – the way that Washington State performed in those two games um, changes this dynamic because now they are riding high, and it's Washington. I mean, it's Washington, Washington State. I thought Washington State was good um, when they came into Seattle to start the year. They didn't have Robert Franks. He didn't play in that game. You know, he's coming off National Player of the Week for what he did against Arizona and Arizona State, not to mention Pac-12 Player of the Week. I mean, you're getting 34 a game, right? So now you go into Pullman, into a, a game that a week ago would have been 2,000 people maybe. Right, and you would have been probably a double-digit favorite on the road in Vegas. Correct. Now you're probably a slight a slighter, more like medium style favorite, maybe five. I don't know what it is going to be. No we'll idea. see. We'll see. We won't know that until Saturday. But yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of renewed interest for sure. Okay, so they lose. Cannot lose that game. What? what? Cannot. Cannot. What does that mean? Cannot. Now for what does that mean? The bracket. Yes, they can. For the bracketologists out there, yeah. Dave Amon, they could lose that game and still be, be fine. in the field. They'll be fine. You. What that game did to the perception of the Pac-12 conference, the loss to Arizona State, or the Arizona State's loss to Washington State, what yeah. that did, yeah. the grain of respectability that the Pac-12 conference had went out the window when Washington State... But we, but we, you and I are okay. We've, I think everybody in this town understand that. We're, let's put that away. Okay. Let's just, okay, let's just say it's over. The reputation aspect of the Pac-12 is over. Mm-hmm. It's done. Mm-hmm. Put a fork in the reputation. It's no, let's not keep harping on it. You're right, but it's over. And there's nothing that's gonna anybody's gonna do about it. So let's forget that for a second. You and I both decided that what's gonna happen is the committee is gonna say, okay, crap sandwich conference, but look at this number. Mm-hmm. Look at sixteen and two. Look at seventeen and one. Look at that they're five or six games better than second place. We don't care whether they're playing in the in the weak sisters of the poor conference. You put a number like that in our hands, and we will reward you. Right? That's what we have decided. Plus. Plus, remember what they all say, vacuum. Don't look at things in a vacuum. You've got to take a step back and understand that the bubble sucks. Yeah, the bubble's really sucks. Everybody's soft. complaining about it. All these teams that are around the bubble stink. Mm-hmm. They keep losing game after game after game after game. So you throw 16-2 and two on the border, 15-3, and 17-1. Let's not go 15-3. and three. But And you put that in their hands and you say, okay, now compare it to everybody else who keeps losing games after games. Let's not worry about the reputation anymore. So, yeah, I'm with you that they shouldn't lose. They, I'd like them not to lose to Washington State. <laughs> yeah. But they can't lose. I mean, their, their final games after that, Utah and Colorado at home, mm-hmm. they beat them both on the road. They'll be huge favorites in both those games. Utah's 13-10, and 10, for God's sakes. 
Uh, Colorado's not 14 and nine. They go, okay, they go to Cal, but Cal's terrible. Mm-hmm. They go to Stanford, which is a real losable game on the wrong date. It's a losable yeah. game. I think they'll win that. And then they finish with Oregon State and Oregon at home, two mm-hmm. teams that they beat on their f- floor. Could they lose one? Yeah, but they're going to be big. Fa- so even if they lo- they could run the table after losing to Washington State, they could finish sixteen and two very easily, even losing to Washington State. So I don't I, I don't I don't know that I'm going to get my I don't know that I'm going to get too excited if right. they lose to Washington you took, State. You, Are they going to lose? Say it right now. What is Washington going to lose to Washington State? You're you're petrified I don't of that think game. So. I am worried about it, but I don't think they'll lose. Okay, so? I don't think they'll lose. What are we talking about? The, you still have to play the game. Yeah, you do. You, you kind of yeah. have to go play the game. So yeah. me saying that is one thing. Again, I go back to looking at it as a one-game, one-off. Yeah. The game that I was looking at on a calendar dramatically changed over the last weekend. That's the point I was trying to... No question. Right. You're so 100% I, right. I'm looking at it in a one-game scenario, not in a bigger picture. I'm looking at it in a one-game okay. scenario. Okay, I'm going to air you out here. Go for it. That's fine, but that's not what you were like right before we started to record. You were like... You made a comment like, I hope this isn't the beginning of... No. The, 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 did you say train coming off the track no, now no, or something? No, I didn't say anything like that. What I said was... If for whatever reason Washington were to lose yeah. and you've now lost two in a row, yeah, right? You've now lost two in a row. Right. The the whole thing looks and feels a lot different than it did the week before. Now now all of a sudden Oh sure. Yeah, now all of a sudden you're that, vulnerable. Yeah, that that ride that you thought maybe takes you to the whispers of 18 and 0, yeah. maybe 17 and 1, you lose two games in a row with with what seven to go, it's it's a different it's a different look and feel. That's what I was six said. to go after that. Six to go, yeah. Six, six to, to, go. to, to two. You're right. Three pairs. But at the same time, a week later, when we're doing episode twenty six or yeah. whatever we're doing, mm-hmm. if they've beaten Utah and Colorado at home after the two game losing streak, and now they're on a two game winning streak, mm-hmm. and they're up to whatever and two, and they're looking at Cal, Stanford, Oregon, and Oregon State. You're yeah, feeling a lot better, and you're course. not you're not even almost not even remembering the two. Games of course, but I'm like I said, I'm looking at it in a one game okay. vacuum. Okay, and then the whatever is everybody going to be healthy? Is everybody? I hope so. I mean, this was a good week to have off, yeah. right? Everybody was had the sniffles. Washington Husky, a lot of dogs with the sniffles. Sniffles, yes. Yeah, you know, sniffles. coughing up phlegm, doing yes, the whole thing. Some sniffles. All right. So, well, I'll just share with you what I shared with you in the last. In the last couple of episodes, I'll read to you what Bracket Matrix, who compiles all of the bracketologists, mm-hmm. I'll just read to you the numbers that are next to Washington right now as mm-hmm. they sit. Where is Washington right now in the NCAA tournament field? And typically, if you take all of these guys and you average them together, you're pretty close within a, a, a seed one way or yeah. the other of yeah. where they are right this very moment. Yep. Uh, 887-888-588. 9-8-8-9-8-8-9-8-7-8-8-8-8-8-8-8-8-8-8-8-8-8-8-8-8-8-8-8-8-8-8-8-8-8-8-8-8-8-8-8-8-8-8-8-8-8-8-8-8-8-
you know, the 10s and 11s are on the bubble. Those are the at-large yeah. yeah. bubbles. And yeah. They're eight. Yep. And and maybe into the sevens. Yeah. Right. So they've got still twelve. Some, they've got still some nice room 14 for fourteen teams. Right? Yeah. So there's no reason 16. to freak just yet. Now you might ask, okay, what will that? What will their average be if they lose to Washington State on the road? That'll be a bad loss. That'll be kind of a Q three ish loss. Probably quadrant, four. Quadrant four at their place. Maybe. Maybe not. Um. Uh, you know, oh, there'll be a ni- there'll be a nine seed. Yeah. Yeah, but that's not where on Monday morning we, you know, we had talked about the fact that we don't want nine. No, seats. You, we want. You seven, don't even really sixes. want. I mean, seven's fine, but you'd love to be a six. Yeah, love to be a six. Yeah. yeah. So I asked everybody on Twitter, uh, Mitch underscore Seattle and at Jason D mm-hmm. Hamilton. I asked people for for requests, questions, comments, what they'd like discussed on episode. What we decided is episode Emmett, mm-hmm. episode Emmett Smith, and I got some good ones. I got a lot of them. But I got some good ones. So, and I'm gonna let I'm gonna give you the group, and you can choose from in our last segment. Okay. Our la- we'll do Ben Wright, then a couple segments with Wheels, mm-hmm. and then we'll come back and address some of these. I'm just gonna read to you some of them. Okay. And you choose which ones we address. Um, behind the scenes on running a morning show, where most of the interviews taped ahead or live, our regular weekly guests paid. How much time did you work at the studio beyond 10 a.m. and your favorite Bino Cook story? That's all one. Wow, that's a, that's that's one a long question. That's a long question. That's a series. Of, that's an yeah. A, B, C, yeah. B question. We've got um, a request for the Sean Chabot hold my keys story. And you're looking at me like you have no idea what that no is. No idea what that yeah, is. That's a, it's a good one. I'll, I'll, I'll share it with you. Um, the Feinstein story. Mm-hmm. What happened, Mitch? Uh, between you and John Feinstein. It's a good story. That is a good story. There's cursing involved, so I'll either have to beep it out or I'll have to... You don't have to beep it out. It's You're on a podcast. Yeah, but I don't want to put that little... Oh, the... the that little, that yeah, little the, you know... Ver, the language thing. Bad language yeah. little thing on it. Yeah. I don't want to click that. Um, I know this is a sensitive subject. This comes from Corey. Not sure if former employer has rights to these or not. But is there ever going to be a time that you'll be able to replay conversations with Bino? Ooh. Um, miss those so much, as I know you miss them also. Keep up the great work, Mitch. From Comes from Corey. He wants to know whether we have the right to play old interviews from KJR. And I can ver- – that, that's an easy one for me to address. Because sure. we have some – like a local – we have like a an update, like a news flash update to the answer <laughs> – <laughs> to that question yeah so those are those i've picked those there's like 70 more of them yeah but you can choose which ones we okay. handle in our fourth and final segment lovely right? okay what a crazy couple of weeks of weather we've had here in the pacific northwest and when you start talking snow and icy road conditions safety is land rover and range rover's middle name you simply can't be in a safer motor vehicle on the slippery and dangerous roads than one of the many models featured at Land Rover of Bellevue. Range Rovers, Range Rover Sports and Velars, Evokes and Discoveries, the all-new Defender, which will be here next year in the U.S. and Canada 2020. You can't beat Land Rover of Bellevue. All I've driven the last 12 years, vehicles I've either leased or owned from this great dealership, the sales squad is beyond knowledgeable and helpful, but without the typical stress that comes along with shopping for a new or even pre-owned car. 
You remember Dimitri from the Robbie Cano commercials? He runs the dealership to near perfection. A service department, which is the best, whether you got your car there or not. And a pre-owned selection, by the way, which is not too shabby. Just off of 520 on Northeast 20th Street in Bellevue. My favorite dealership, Jaguar Land Rover of Bellevue. Looking for one of the greatest voices that golf's ever known. <laughs> you, got, you got the wrong number. <laughs> How is your oyster is that, roast? Is that unbelievable. And by the way, our executive chef uh, is from Washington State. Really? And he is an oyster expert and amongst others we had oysters from your state which were absolutely delicious it, it was great the whole thing was fantastic that's because all of our audience we uh, we took a look at each individual oyster that they were sending your way and made sure it had the proper <laughs> specifications <laughs> Well, it's great to hear your voice. You and I have a lot of catching up to do. Yes. Let's go back to the the back surgery in the fall. I don't think that anybody in our audience, and I think that we would like to hear how you're doing, how you're feeling. You're 86 and a half years old. How do we find Ben Wright and go back to the story of the the surgery? I kind of like the part where the doctor told told you that you had to stay still you can't move a muscle and a guy who talks like you do i don't know how you how you accomplish that (laughs) (laughs) three years ago i was very disappointed uh because at that time i was a minority shareholder of the carolina panthers ah and and we had just had a first defeat of the season against the Atlanta Falcons. And so I went to bed in a half, and in taking off my trousers, I somehow got tangled up in one of the ankles, and I went over backwards, over my oxygen machine, because, you know, old people need oxygen. (laughs) And um, unfortunately, I severed the T12 vertebra, in the middle of the back. My dear wife, Helen, who couldn't lift me up, I mean, you'd need a squad to do that, which (laughs) she got, the emergency squad. And they come and got me up, and uh, I was rushed to the emergency room and uh, quickly took an X-ray, and it revealed this damage. And the surgeon came in, and he's a gentleman 
called John Hicks, who was extremely young and an extremely good person, although I had no idea at the time. And he said, Mr. Wright, lie there, do not move a muscle, uh, except to sign your consent, and we, we will operate on you right away. So I signed the consent and lay still, frightened to death. And I was, uh, he did assure me that if I did move, I had the, every chance of severing the spinal cord and being paralyzed. Well, you know, as you say, a man whose mouth is in constant motion like mine, <laughs> I, I, was, I was for once in my life stunned into silence <laughs> and total, total lack of movement. I was so frightened. I, I just, I mean, I was, I was frozen. Mm-hmm. It was frozen into place. Anyhow, uh, seven hours later, they did a bone graft to reconstruct the vertebra, and um, they put in two 18-inch, uh, I believe, titanium rods, one on each side of the spine, and 12 three-inch screws to hold them. And um, there I was, um, repaired and uh, due for a very long rehab, which was an absolutely terribly miserable experience. Uh, uh, but yeah. here I am. How you feeling? How do you feel? How do you feel? Great, great. <laughs> I move a little haltingly, and golf is unfortunately out of the question. But I did win the last game of golf. In my last game of golf, my partner and I won the Invitational at uh, Burning Tree in the nation's capital. Oh. Uh, you know, which is uh, quite a select club. Yeah. Uh, totally all male, by the way. They don't totally let, all male. They don't even let me eat at the McDonald's down the street in Bethesda, Maryland. From the Burning Tree right. Golf Club. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the first time I went there, Mitch, I, I must tell you this. My late ex-boss, Frank Chikinian, the best producer-director golf has ever known in any country in the world, and Ken Venturi, 1964 Open champion, yeah. uh, were going to be honored at Burning Tree with honorary membership. And they took me along for the ride. And as we turned in to the gates of the very august club and came up the driveway, which is at least half a mile long, I noticed there was uh, a familiar gentleman. It was August the 3rd. The temperature was 103. <laughs> And there was a familiar gentleman putting on a green that came close to the driveway. Uh And I realized it was Mr. Tip O'Neill, Speaker of the House, Uh playing in his underpants. (laughs) And and so uh, I went into the club. And you you sat at long tables 
and you grabbed your breakfast and went and sat as close to the next guy as was uh, possible. And uh, I said to this gentleman, are you a member, sir? He said, yes, I am. And I said, well, if I'm not mistaken, <laughs> I saw the Speaker of the House, uh, Tip O'Neill, uh, played golf in his underpants. <laughs> and he said, dear boy, at this club, because it's entirely male, you can play naked if you so desire. <laughs> and I, I said, well, wait a minute. Who would play naked? <laughs> and he said, only one guy I know. And I said, who would that be? And he said, Mickey Mantle. <laughs> <laughs> that was my introduction uh, to Burning Creek. But I right. uh, it is so wonderful. I have all these things that I want to catch up with you, but we'll be here until tomorrow. And uh, and uh, we don't have the time. <laughs> I, I have so much to catch up with you, so much lost time. I want to throw some things at you, if you don't mind, and then we'll revisit maybe in a week or two and we'll catch up on the rest of the list. Is that okay? Yes, of course. Let's go back to last year and we'll work our way forward. I was sitting in my family room watching the United States Open. Yes. And I see Phil Mickelson in a fit of frustration. Go hit mm -hmm. a ball. Go hit a moving ball on the green. And then try yep. to explain why he did so after the round. And I immediately, my mind immediately thought to a scholar of the game, Ben Wright. And I was just wondering where you were. Were you at the club? Were you at home? What was your first reaction to seeing this Hall of Fame, one of the great players of our, of our generation, my generation, go out and treat the game the way he did in doing what he did with the moving ball at the U.S. Open? Um, I'll tell you something, Mitch, I was there um, because my wife and I, summer in Southampton, uh, the village thereof on Long Island, and I was guest at the U.S. Open last year of the USGA, mm -hmm. as, as was my wife, Helen, and we were uh, not on the spot. Uh, we were in the USGA pavilion. They even gave me electric scooter to <laughs> to go around on. And you know something? They took away my driver's license <laughs> while I had the scooter because they were frightened that I'd rush off with it down, down the street. <laughs> Anyhow, I'll be honest with you. I was totally disgusted uh, with Phil. I've often had questions about some of the crazy things he's done. But as you said, he's one of the greatest players of uh, my lifetime. But I, I hated him for it. I really hated him for it. And I wanted him to be disqualified. And I think it was a crying shame that he was not disqualified. What do you think of Tiger's season ending in a in a championship, a uh, a uh, players' championship at the end of the season in the FedEx Series? 
that he came all the way back and uh, and won at the end. I thought it was truly one of the great comebacks of all time. Uh, I've been a constant critic of uh, Tiger, and all credit to him. What guts, what fortitude, and what skill. Uh, you know, uh, it's, it, it is truly one of the great comebacks. You know, everybody said it was the greatest comeback, but in my opinion, the greatest comeback was that of Ben Hogan, after his nearly fatal uh, car accident. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think that was probably the greatest comeback in my lifetime, but I would certainly put Tiger in the top three, and God bless him. I mean, all he's gone through, uh, and mostly self-inflicted mind, uh, but all he's gone through, and to come back like this, I, you can't you can't speak too highly of it, Mitch. You can't really. It was a tour de force. When you think back to '86, if Tiger were yes. to ever come back to Augusta National, maybe this year, I know it would depend upon how it happened and the drama of it. Nothing will ever match the the second nine in 1986 by the Golden Bear, where you beat Vern Lundquist to the to the words, yes, sir, we all know that. Um, yes. Um, what would be, how would you compare if Tiger were to be able to come back from all of life's challenges and win at Augusta National to what Jack did in 1986 when he embraced son Jackie after the 72nd? Well, I think it would be on a, on a par with that. I really do, in my opinion, uh, Nicholas is the greatest of all time. If Tiger won, there would be no bigger cheerleader than me mm-hmm. as a constant critic of most of the things he's done in his extraordinary roller coaster life. Mm-hmm. Uh, it would be absolutely monumental, don't you think? Yes, I do think. I do think, Ben. Um, I want to touch on one last subject before we uh, dismiss this conversation, but not for long. I promise it won't be for long. Um, Okay. You and I have discussed over the years Sergio Garcia, and he's done some things um, that have rubbed a lot of people, including me, the wrong way. From the spinning in the cup to all the incidents, to the childish behavior, I remember the one thing that rubbed me wrong the most, and it's because of my relationship with Dick Enberg before he died, was a was an interview after after the Masters that, that Sergio did with Dick Enberg. And then yes. something happened. Then we all realized this was a very young young boy for all intents and purposes that was thrust into the major spotlight and he started to grow older and he started to win tournaments and he started to behave better and we started to see the maturation and then he wins at Augusta National and he gets that that big monkey off his back that 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 best player to never win a major and then and then he's such a leader on the European Ryder Cup teams, and we start to really start to admire him for the maturation yes. and the change. And then, yes. and then this, five damaged greens yes. on the European tour 
disqualified, and then, Ben, we we see the video of a temper tantrum in a in a European event the day before he was disqualified in a in a a, a bunker on one of the holes. What do you think? Yes, all the credit that he got for himself by finally maturing, as you have said, has all been thrown away in 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 two days. He is, as far as I'm concerned, his behavior was totally inexcusable, as was that of Phil Mickelson. And you know something? I would really like to see him heavily punished. Not so much financially, because, you know, what is it to a kid who's been paid $500,000 appearance money to be there? Mm -hmm. And that is another knock on him, that he treated his hosts in such a disgusting manner. Um, But I would really like to see him uh, suspended, but... The only trouble is there, Mitch, when you suspend someone, they have a case in law that you're uh, depriving them of their opportunity for a livelihood. And uh, I I am disgusted beyond belief with Sir Joe Garcia. I quite agree with you. I thought he'd become a good guy, and I think you know, marrying an American lady uh, had something to do with it. Uh, but, oh, man, has he destroyed himself? How about an apology? Well, I mean, apology's no damn good now, Mitch. Okay. The harm has been done. It would help, of course. No, I mean, he has damned himself in the eyes of people who love the game as much as I do. Nothing he can do will ever write this off. Ben, how about Rocco Mediate saying the other day that because of his back problems, he's a drinker, he was a drinker, and he drank during competitive rounds. He slipped in the the booze into his golf bag, and he was a drinker on the golf course during tournaments. I think that there's probably a lot of people around the world that read this story and chuckled a bit because – there's a lot of drinkers that like to play golf and like to play golf while they drink. And I wonder what your reaction to that was. <laughs> One of the best rounds I ever had uh, was at Royal Port Rush. And I was so frozen. I tucked a, a bottle of signal malt scotch in the bag. And uh, I started bogey, double bogey. But Rory McElroy was my caddy. And uh, he said, you know, we, we, we can do this together. And he, the, God bless the young boy. He uh, shepherded, me, shepherded me round in 79 uh, on half a bottle. <laughs> I just want to say to you that it was a long time until yesterday that we had spoken. And I did... I did 22 or 23 years on that radio show. A long, long time I was on the radio here in Seattle, and I had lots and lots of guests, probably thousands of them for all I know. And there were a couple, yes. there were a couple of guests that were so kind and dear to me 
and always had time and always said yes. And some of the guys that I really, really looked forward to and made a difference in my world. And I want you to know uh, from the bottom of my heart, you are one of those people and you are one of those people. I hear your voice and it makes me feel good. I have not had the greatest run personally myself in the last year or two, but I'm getting better. And when I hear voices like yours talking to me and laughing along with me, it makes me feel so much better. And I thank you for that, Ben. Well, you know, I I don't know about what's happened to you. Maybe you'll tell me when we have a quiet moment. But it has always been a joy to broadcast with you, Mitch, because you're one of the few people who not only know everything there is to know about your subject, but you have that empathy that you know how to ask the right questions. And the only reason why I'm vaguely coherent is because you're such a damn good interviewer. Never forget that. I love you, Ben. We'll talk soon. I love you too. All the best, mate. The lovely and distinctive tones of one of the most recognizable golf voices of my lifetime, Ben Wright. I had such a terrific time watching the Super Bowl at that brand new Capitol Hill location of Zeke's Pizza that I say to myself, what the heck's wrong with me? There's 16 locations, soon to be 17. You've got good TV viewing. you got great pizza, a great selection of craft beer. So... Here's your new resolution in February of 2019. More sports viewing for me and my family at Zeke's Pizza. I'm already figuring that I'm going to watch the NCAA tournament, in particular the Huskies games, at Zeke's. I'm going down to the new Tacoma location next, and I hear it's a great spot, and it's the first Zeke's in Tacoma. Those Thursday and Friday first-round games, kind of a, a March Madness headquarters, if you will. And by the way, I could not believe the delivery business that Capitol Hill had going on Super Bowl Sunday. It was impressive. Zeke's delivers, not third party, going in and out the whole night. They were delivering beer and cider, too. You go to Zeke'sPizza.com, and you can have everything you need delivered right to your door. Zeke's Pizza, homegrown in the Northwest. Unfiltered. Well, I've promised. I've promised. And now I deliver. Ladies and gentlemen, making his Mitch Unfiltered debut. It only took 22 episodes. I uh, I invited him in episodes... 3, 7, 11, 14, 18, and now number 22. Here he is, the voice of the Portland Trailblazers and my old partner, partner in crime, Mr. Brian Wheeler. How are you, Wheels? Yeah, that's a little revisionist history, of course, because I was I was waiting. I, you know, when I knew that this uh, project of yours was getting off the ground, I said, well, you know, I shouldn't expect to be invited to the first few episodes. I mean, he's going to have to go with some big names to kind of get people, uh, you know, really intrigued and interested and so forth. you got to throw the big names out there to get people, uh, you know, to, to latch on to the program. But I thought, 
at some point, maybe in the in the in the single digits, possibly the teens, I might get asked. But uh, but it did, did, all, did take all the way to twenty two. But uh, you know, my my favorite all time number is forty four. So this is half of that. So I guess oh. uh, you know could have could have been worse. We could have been all the way to forty four. But uh, but no, I'm, wait I'm glad a second. I at least you, made it into the twenties. Your all time favorite? No, did I ever know this? All the years we know each other, did I know that your all time favorite number is forty four? You understand? I'm not sure. That's yeah, that's that's the most important number in my alma mater's history. You know that, right? No, I didn't. I didn't know that. Oh yeah, tell the, me the story. But every great football player wore forty-four. Ernie uh, Ernie Davis wore forty-four. Um, it was actually a bar on Marshall Street, the most popular bar when I was there, called Forty Fours. Wow. Now for me, it's Jerry West. I'm growing up in Los Angeles. That was uh, one of my first basketball heroes. So, uh, so that was uh, that was Zeke from Cabin Creek, as uh, Chicken used to call him. So that was uh, that was the reason why I liked uh, Forty Four. I wore it in Little League and um, the first year of Little League. Then somebody else had it the second year, and uh, you, you couldn't uh, kind of uh, you weren't you weren't grandfathered into what you wore the year before. So I had to wear Forty Two uh, the next year. And I, I, as I recall, I don't hit it. I didn't hit as well the second season as I did the first. So I think, think that might have had something to do with it, or maybe it was a mental thing on, on my part. But uh, uh, but yeah, 44. I mean, I, I think if you asked a lot of people, I bet that probably would be a favorite number, maybe more than maybe more than any other. I would think. Brian Wheeler is our guest. Let's go back. Let's reminisce a little bit. And you know, we've got so many stories to tell. We're going to have to make this a two or three parter. We can't cover sure. it all in one in one sitting. I mean, we're going to have to have meals. We're going to have to have nights sleeps. We're going to have to have seasons. <laughs> We need a long time to go over this, and I, I don't know. I figured it might be fun for our listeners to, to have you start us off by remembering 1995, in particular December of 1994, when I was asked to come in for an audition, and I, I didn't quite understand it. They, they had to have me in on a certain day, Thursday and Friday, and it had to coincide with the guy who was the interim midday host at the time on KJR and his vacation. I, I didn't understand why I had to be there when he was on vacation, but that was the way it was supposed to work. H- how do you remember those days? Well, that just told you something about the uh, slick operators that uh, that we ended up working for. That, uh, <laughs> that, was, uh, <laughs> that was that was the way they approached things. But, uh, yeah, I, I do remember that, you know, it was, it was – uh, you know, I, I took the job with uh, with the Sports Radio 950 KJR in 1993, and at the time, it was uh, presented to me that you would be you would be doing sports updates uh, twice an hour, and uh, the biggest reason was because the fabulous sports babe, the uh, highest priced talent on the station, uh, was tired of doing her own updates. So I would come <laughs> and do that, and then on the weekends, I would be the pre and post game host for uh, the uh, Sonics broadcast uh, heard on the Sonics flagship station. So uh, that was the way it was originally positioned. And then they said, hey, and when somebody's sick or takes a day off, vacation, whatever, you know, you can step in and, uh, and be a host. And I had never hosted a talk show in my life. And, and I didn't really get a lot of direction about how to do it. I just kind of had listened to sports talk shows and kind of had a feel for, I guess, how I thought it maybe should be done or how at least I would do it. So then uh, they had the big dispute with the fabulous sports babe and the station uh, uh, getting into a salary uh, you know, dispute. And then she uh, started the campaign of Free the Babe uh, for all her familiar guests that would come on the air, that they would say that. And she was trying to force her way out of her contract so she could move on and uh, become the very first uh, talk show host at at a national uh, project known as ESPN Radio. And so she finally won the battle. And uh, so at the time, uh, they 
didn't really have any ready-made replacement, and uh, so they kind of threw me into the shift, and initially I think it was just supposed to be for a week or so, and then it lasted a little longer than that, and so they kind of gave me the impression without really saying that, you know, <clears throat> there's a very good chance this could be your show uh, moving forward, which, of course, I, I was interested in. I still had to do the updates, though, so that kind of gave me the impression that, well, maybe they haven't really fully cast their lot with me. But Hold uh, on a second, Wheels. Time, Wheels, let me interrupt. Yes. Uh, just real one question. Are you still interested in it? <laughs> I, I imagine the pay is probably the same too so so if, if, if i like to pack at 95 i'm probably gonna like to like the same amount to, today but uh uh so yes it was kind of sneaky i mean they didn't really tell me it was mine but they didn't tell me it wasn't mine so so then when i kind of found out that uh, you know they were auditioning uh people and uh peter brown came in uh, the first uh, guy that they brought in and i think there was some feeling that he maybe would get the job and i guess uh messed up by Going after what did he go after the Sonics or go after uh, Barry Ackley who's, or something? Whose idea? What loser's idea was it to put these <laughs> home games on pay per view? I don't think oh, I, I don't think it. Peter Brown realized that <laughs> the owner of the Sonics was also the owner of the radio station, and that didn't quite work out, right? <laughs> he was the loser, yes, he was <laughs> the loser, and then Peter Brown ended up being the loser. So, uh, so then uh, they made the right choice, obviously, and and it was a tough thing for you know. Uh, you know, we're all in sports because we're competitive. It was a tough thing for me to, you know, to, to think that, uh, uh, you know, a job that I thought would be mine was not going to be mine. And then, uh, but, you know, once I listened a little bit to Mitch in the midday, I, I think I, I figured out that uh, he was a better host than me and he deserved to have had the slot. And so, uh, you know, I think I got past the ego part of it, uh, the ego disappointment. And uh, and so I, I realized the better the better host was having the job and no. it was a tough thing to take at first. But, but you know, it was, it was the right decision on their part. I, 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 I fully admit that. I don't know about that. But, okay, so the two of us began to uh, work together. At first, it didn't look like you were going to work with me. People were telling you to get uh, get away from him, get as far <laughs> away from him as humanly possible. A couple of times I would say things on the air, and I can remember you wheeling back in your chair that had wheels on it. Uh, <laughs> no pun intended. Just don't get me involved in that. Uh, and then uh, in 95, my first year, uh, it's uh, it's late 95, and the Cinderella Seattle Mariners, who are trying to play themselves into a new stadium, are making a run to the playoffs. And it was somebody's bright idea that we're going to send Mitch and Wheels to Texas, and they're gonna they're gonna clinch the American League West after that incredible comeback. They're gonna clinch the American League West in Texas in a four game series in Texas. And Mitch and Wheels are going to bring the sights and sounds home to us on KJR. It didn't work out that way, did it, Wheels? <laughs> yeah, they won the first game, and I think it needed to only maybe win one more of the final three, and right. they would have been able to win the division. But they lost. They lost the last three, and I remember, you know, as a as a budding reporter, uh, you know, growing up in the business, the last thing I wanted to do always was to go into a losing locker room in baseball. That was the one thing, because the baseball guys were the worst guys to deal with most every day, but certainly after they lost. And here's three straight losses, and the end result, the Mariners don't clinch the division. In fact, now they're forced to play a one-game playoff the right. next day right. against the Angels, who have fought their way back. So, But we still had to get some sound to send back to the station, even though we were uh, essentially <laughs> done with our duties and, and needed to fly back to Seattle in hopes we could get there in time to maybe catch some of the some of the one game playoff. Uh, and so it was uh, my duty to go into the 
Mariners clubhouse and get some, uh, you know, some sound. And certainly everybody always wants to hear from the manager. And so uh, I somehow got into Lupinella's office before not only not only he got in, but before anybody else got in, uh, media-wise. I don't know where everybody else was. Maybe they went to some other players that they saw immediately available. But I said, well, i got to get Lou. I'm already here. i got my tape recorder ready. And I stood probably good two to three feet away from where I knew he would be sitting behind the desk because I wanted to make sure that in no way would I be interrupting him or uh, in his way or anything like that. And he, and he sat down and before he even gave, you know, what, what do you guys want to know? He turned to me and said, get that MF and microphone out of my MF and face. <laughs> and I, it could have been further from his face if I tried, but I said, yeah, okay. okay. And I, I pulled back and I'm not even sure you could hear him anymore, but I made sure there was no way it was even close to being in his face. And I said, this is how it's going to go, huh? So it was a, it was a disastrous, uh, uh, it was as bad as I thought it would be considering and, the circumstances. And so uh, Brian Wheeler and Mitch Levy did not cover a clinching uh, series against the Texas Rangers. And instead, there was going to be a one-game playoff on that Monday, the next day. And we got up early on Monday morning in uh, Dallas, and we uh, we went to the airport to get on the plane, right? And we were gonna we were gonna get a, a flight that was gonna connect, I want to say, in Denver, and Denver, yes. and uh, we were gonna get there just in the nick of time to get to the one game playoff that was gonna be played in the afternoon at the Kingdom against the Mighty Angels. And we got to the we got to the gate, we got to the the plane, and we're sitting on the plane, and it's one of these planes that's delayed, 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 delayed. And you and I are looking at each other like, geez, I don't know, is this gonna is this gonna be delayed just enough that we miss our connection and we don't even get back to Seattle after they sent us all the way to Texas to watch the we're not gonna get back to Seattle. <laughs> and what I remember very vividly, and I, I'm trying to remember his shirt. I think it was a Mr. Bubble shirt. Um <laughs> The world's biggest and tallest columnist, Art Teal, was on our plane. Do you remember that? I do remember that, yes. And he gets off the plane while we're sitting in one of these delays, and he looks at us and he says, see you guys, I'm getting off the plane. And we look at each other like, what the hell is Art Teal doing? Why is he getting off the plane? Well, he had a bad premonition that this was not going to end well. And he got <laughs> off the plane. That was the last we saw Art Teal. Now, of course, he left the plane with the two of us on it. We waited hours, and uh, it was diverted, as I recall, and then we ended up in Denver, and we missed our flight, our connection flight back to Seattle, which means we were going to miss the game. And if you recall, we got to Denver just in time. Now we had to wait for the next plane to Seattle, which was going to be hours and hours, and what was about to begin when we landed in Denver? The game was about to begin, and instead of being in the kingdom in our seats, we're not going to see the game. We're going to miss the game, and we're disappointed, and we're in Denver's new airport, which is a million miles away from downtown Denver, and we go looking around in the in the airport, and we find out, Wheels, that none of the places are wire, wired with cable, and we're going to have to leave the airport if we want to watch a little of the game. And we get into the cab line, and these cab drivers have been sitting in this cab line for hours waiting for... The minimum fare, which is we're going to downtown Denver, right? That's going to be the minimum. That's a big fare for these guys. And, oh, we, yeah. and we get told that there's this one little bar. There's this one little bar, sports bar, that the people who work at Denver Airport, it's near Denver Airport, that they go to sometimes after work. They hang out after work, and nobody knows about it, but they'll have the game on. And we get into the cab, and the cab driver says, where to? And we tell him this little bar, 
He thinks he's he's been sitting in this cab line for two hours waiting for a fare to at least Denver, and we tell him we want to go a mile and a half away from the <laughs> And this guy starts throwing a temper tantrum. I'll never forget. He starts pounding. He's pounding the steering wheel. God damn it, son of a Damn it! And he starts, and we we didn't know how how close it was, and so he has to take us about a mile and a half away, and then turn around and get back into the long line for for the for the airport. So the two of us end up in this bar. I don't know if you recall, it was like this little shack, and it had a big satellite on the top of it, uh, just outside the Denver International Airport. And the game comes on, and what I can recall is that in the first inning, top or bottom of the first. A foul ball is hit up behind home plate. You might not recall this. I do. A ball was hit behind home plate. We're sitting there aggravated, agitated. We've missed our flight. We're missing the game. And the ball goes flying up, and they show they show the ball going into the press box. And the press box people are scattering. And, and who is sitting right there with his Mr. Bubble shirt on? Other memories of those early days, Seafair or Reno trips, or what, what? What pops into your mind, Wheels? Well, I remember the, uh, you know, the first. Uh, of course, you know, I had not had the pleasure of listening to uh, Mitch Levy's talk show, so I wasn't quite sure what to expect. But yeah, the people that were saying, uh, you know, to be careful, were you know such radio veterans as Mike Gastineau, of course, who was uh, following your show, and he said, uh, you know, just you want to stay away from this because this is not going to last very long. You don't want to be associated with this. Uh, it's not going to be something that, uh, you know, you want to uh, have, uh, you know, tagged with uh, your name as, it, you know, is attached to it. Uh, and then I think I remember the first big controversy was uh, – uh, Gabriella Sabatini in a wet T-shirt. Yeah, I, I recall that as being the, uh, yeah. you know, the big thing. And 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 I would actually be be uh, part of my duties was to somehow sometimes go uh, check the faxes that were coming in. Back then it was a, a fax uh, uh, generated thing if you didn't call the call the station. And oh, some of the faxes that were coming in were not uh, were not very were not very friendly. And, oh. uh, so um, so I I. I I didn't know what to do at the one time. I mean, there was a, in, in, a, in, a, in a strange, twisted way, I kind of said, you know, I kind of like this guy a little bit. You know, he's, uh, he's a little different than me, but, uh, but in the same way, he's got some... Just a little yeah, different? Yeah, well, just a little different. You know, but, uh, <laughs> but, I, but I saw some similarities, too. And so I, I, thought, I thought, you know, but everybody's saying, I mean, maybe I'm just not seeing it. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm supposed to not like him. I'm supposed to not, you know, basically have anything to do with him. But, you know, there's, there's a part of him that kind of... I, I, I give him some uh, credit for really trying to be different. But I think, you know, the fact that, uh, you know, you came in and you weren't even sure that you wanted to stay very long. I think we heard many stories about Florida and uh, and uh, D.C. where you had worked. And so it, uh, I'm not even sure anybody thought you wanted to be there for a long time. But it was amazing that uh, that you outlasted everybody, as it turns out. So it was, uh, it was a great, great testament to the fact that that was something that obviously was destined to be. We'll continue with my old friend and old broadcast partner, Brian Wheeler, the voice of the Portland Trailblazers, in just a moment. He is going to tell a story that, quite frankly, is hard to believe and will make you feel good. Daniel's brand new location at the new downtown Hyatt Regency is open while world-class hospitality makes each Daniel special. Daniel's new downtown location is truly unique. It's a downtown Daniel's that's open for breakfast, lunch, and dinner seven days a week. The new downtown Daniel's serving breakfast, lunch, and dinner seven days a week. If you live or work downtown, planning an evening out, 
or visiting Seattle, you now have a world-class choice for prime steaks and seafood. Daniel's new downtown location is on the second floor of the new downtown Hyatt Regency at 8th and Howell. You can make your reservations today for this world-class addition to the Daniels family. It's locally owned by the Schwartz family and located at South Lake Union, Leshy Marina, and Bellevue Place. Now, the new downtown Hyatt Regency. Daniels Broiler, world-class steakhouses. Unfiltered. This is the voice of Brian Wheeler, my very first partner. When I came to KJR in 1994-95, he became a really good friend, and and the rest of his career has been amazing. Off to Sacramento to be the part-time uh, radio and television voice of the Sacramento Kings, and then it was off to Portland. And how many years are you in Portland now, celebrating your what year? 21 years. 21, 21 years in Portland as... Uh, one of the terrific voices in the NBA, the Portland Trailblazers. If you would, when you and I were in Seattle becoming not just business guys, but the best of friends, we traveled together, we ate together, we went to see movies together, we did everything together. Uh, And frankly, it was because I didn't know anybody else and I really had no other options. But but, uh, we became really, really friendly and I... Uh, you became very aware of my family and my relationship with my family, and you didn't have that that relationship. That really hurt me. That hurt me to the core. You you had told me that you were uh, you were adopted, and you and I toyed several times over uh, over a sub or over a diner or over a breakfast with the idea of you looking for your your birth parents, and. You did. You never went for it while you were here in Seattle, and then you went to Sacramento, and then you went to Portland. And I remember you calling me um, in Portland from Portland, telling me that you think you're going to finally do it. And I want you to pick up the story and share with our listeners uh, what should be a, a made-for-television movie of what happens next. Yeah, I will say that when I was <clears throat> when I was there, and we would talk about it, you were very much encouraging me to do it, and I think I was the one that was hesitant, and I, I guess it was because I didn't necessarily know how to go about it. I kind of heard some stories too about sometimes uh, the reunions not necessarily being so great, and uh, and I had had uh, you know a kind of a wacky uh, uh, even even with my adopted parents uh, that that was uh, some interesting goings on there, and my uh, mother. After my dad passed away, she ends up marrying my dad's brother, and uh, he ends up being uh, a real, uh, real treat to live with. And uh, so that was uh, that was kind of a difficult uh, family situation. So I wasn't sure I wanted to necessarily uh, dive into something that might be just as bad. Uh, there was certainly a lot of unknown attached to it. All I ever knew was that I was born to a teenage girl whose mother didn't feel she was old enough to, you know, be able to take care of me. So I think it was when I turned 50, I guess I just thought maybe that was uh, the, the right time to, you know, maybe uh, look into something in the past. And so uh, it's quite possible I'm 50 years old. She's, she would be 67, quite possible that she's still alive. And uh, but what do I do now that I have some information? Do I pursue it a little bit further? So this one person did some research and said, hey, there's a place uh, called the Adoption Specialist. A uh, woman out of Phoenix, Arizona, Lisa Townsend, and uh, you know, looks like it's pretty, you know, pretty reputable. So I thought to myself, you know, on Charlie's Angels, uh, Charlie's <laughs> last name is Townsend. 
And he was a pretty good investigator. I yep. said, so that's probably a good sign. And uh, I said, you know, The Who's one of my favorite bands, and that's Pete Townsend, of course, so that's uh, probably a good sign. And, and we used to have a shooting coach with the Blazers, John Townsend. He was a nice guy. So I said, ah, maybe it's a good sign, you know, Townsend. So, so I picked the phone and called her, and she had experience both as, a, as an attorney and a private investigator. So she said, I guarantee you I'll find your mother, living or dead, and, um, you know, one way or the other, and I'm actually working on a case in Illinois right now, and so uh, this is perfect timing. So I didn't really get into details about how she would find out the information. I just assumed that whatever money you paid her, she found some people behind the scenes and maybe could, uh, you know, do a little digging into things maybe they weren't supposed to dig into or whatever. But within a month, she called back and said, pretty sure I found her. You know, here's her Facebook uh, page, and uh, here's a cell phone number and a home number. And, uh, you know, she's married and uh, had two daughters after after you and, and I'm positive this is her. And, and so, you went through so, you went through a script, right? Before you called, there was a uh, you yes. had to practice what you were going to say if a male answered, what you were going to say if a female answered, what was going to how the whole thing was going to play out. Right. Yeah, because I asked her, uh, the private investigator, I said, now, do you call her? And then she said, oh, no, no, no. It was too easy for uh, the woman, if she's not uh, really willing to go through with this, to say no to somebody she doesn't know. But if the child calls, then it's harder for her to turn down, you know, the uh, you know the kid. So um, I said, well, what do I say? And then then she said, well, here's what I found works. You know, if the if the if a, if a male answers, and that's probably her husband, he may or may not know about uh, you know your existence in the past. So just ask for her, and if he says. If he says who's calling, you can say your name, but say my mother and her are old friends, and that's usually enough to get past you know him to get to her, which is what you want to do. So I I called uh, the first time and I got a uh, I got an answering machine, and I figured well I probably shouldn't say hey it's your long lost son uh, you know give me a shout and then uh, but I also thought you know a lot of people don't pick up the phone if they don't recognize the number so what do I do if they never pick up and so. Uh, but I tried, you know, maybe an hour later, and this time a, a, a male voice did come on, and, and I said, is Barbara there? And uh, may I ask who's calling? And I said, this is Brian Wheeler, and I paused, and there was no reaction. And I said, uh, my mother and her are old friends. And uh, he said, oh, okay, hold on one second. I said, oh, good. I said, if he had asked me more questions, I would have said, I don't know what else I'm supposed to say to you. That's all they, <laughs> that's all they coached me on. But, the, but they turned me over to her, and she picked up the phone. I said, this is Barbara, yes, and uh, I said, again, my name is Brian Wheeler, um, no reaction. And I said, um, I just recently got my natural birth certificate. I was adopted at birth, and I have uh, reason to believe that you are my natural mother. And she paused and said, what? And then I, I repeated it, and she said, uh, well, where were you born? And I said, Chicago, Illinois. When were you born? January 18, 1962. Where did you grow up? And I said, uh, Chicago. I said, well, we moved out to Los Angeles when I was two months old. And she said, "Oh, that's what I was waiting to hear." Well, I guess I am your mother, and so she kind of just just said that and like laughed. Mat- and like matter of fact, huh? Matter of fact, yeah. And uh, and we ended up talking for you know an hour. Now, about ten minutes of the conversation, I said, "Now, on the birth certificate, um, it says that my fa- my father's name was legally withheld." I said, "Do you know his whereabouts uh, at all?" And and she laughed and she said. Um, well, he answered the phone. He's in the other room. We're just about to celebrate our fiftieth wedding anniversary. You just spoke. So you, had ju- you, you had just spoken to your dad. Yeah, and that was the kicker wow. that I didn't. I didn't know could happen. So, so not only did I find my birth mother, but my birth father, which also meant that the uh, she had two daughters. One had passed away, but one was still alive. So that meant everybody was a blood relative, which uh, which I was not necessarily counting on. So, um, 
but they had kept uh, the whole thing a secret um, ever since uh, she was 17 years old. And, and so uh, I said, man, I got to hand it to you guys. I said, I can barely keep a secret what the weather's going to be tomorrow. And, uh, <laughs> and you guys have kept this for 50 years. And then, and she said, yeah, you know, and, and nobody knew, I mean, not even, not even her daughter. And so she kind of initially said, and I also was coached, Hey, you know, you prepared yourself for this phone call. If your mother says something that, you know, you aren't quite sure you're happy with, uh, give her a break, you know, because, you know, she's probably a little bit shocked by everything. So you wouldn't call, uh, so I, you wouldn't call her emotional on the phone call, Brian. No, no. I think she was, she was very, uh, calm and she, you know, she asked me, you know, what do you do for a living? You know, where'd you grow up and what was your you know life like? And, uh, it was very much just like, just, um, uh, the one thing I found out very quickly is that she could talk as much as me, which is pretty hard to do. And so, so we, uh, we had a long conversation and, and the conversation was flowing very freely, but, but I did say to her toward the end, I said, well, I guess I'd kind of like to come out and meet you guys. And she said, uh, Oh, that would be fine. You know, we'd like to meet you. Uh, we probably will introduce you as a friend of the family. And, uh, I said, Oh, I said, you don't think my sister would want to know that she has, she said a brother that's been alive. And she goes, well, I don't know. I don't know how that will go. And, and I guess part of it was that my birth father, who was listening in on the other line, he didn't say very much, but he always felt it was an indictment against him that uh, they had to give me up when I was younger. And so I think he was a little embarrassed by it. But as it turns out, um, you know, I, I got done with the phone call. And I, I remember normally I would hang up first, but I waited for them to hang up because I wanted to see if maybe I would just hear in the background as she hung up. Now, what the heck was that? You know, just, just kind of, just kind of a, a crazed uh, response. Like, uh, you know, I told you never to pick that phone up because you never know who's going to call. And he found us guys. He found us, but, but there was no, you know, no negative response. And uh, so, so it turns out they, they got off the phone. The first thing she said was, uh, who are the Portland Trailblazers? Uh, she didn't know. She didn't really know much about basketball, and so he had to fill her in on you know who the Blazers were. And so, um, and tell so then, tell so skip to uh, the relationship that you've had, and uh, and the the good times that you've had since that phone call. So I went out to see him, and uh, and it was amazing. I mean, for for never having met these people before. They kind of had the B thing going already. I mean, here's Barbara, the mother, naming her kids Bridget and Bonnie, uh, and you know, here I am, Brian. And so, so they had that going. My my father turns out went to the same high school that I went to. Uh, he's the only other person I've ever known that liked uh, his favorite soup of split pea with ham, which uh, which is mine. So it's, it's wow. it was really odd to find wow. a lot of similarities from wow. people I'd never met. But right. but they've become you know very close people and uh, and uh, and and a big part of. Uh, my life. It's a shame that, you know, we, we don't live closer to each other. But I think, I think for me, had I never found them, I think I would have been okay because I had a good upbringing with the parents that I did know. But I think for them, it was some validation that they did the right thing. They, they, you know, they let, uh, let me go at a time that they weren't quite ready to be parents. And then they found out I wasn't living out of a box and, you know, that I'd uh, at least, uh, you know, made it, made something good out of myself. And so, uh, so but they were pissed. Nice. They were pissed, as I understand it, that you didn't get that midday radio show at KJR. <laughs> <laughs> they said, who do we talk to about that? But, uh, but uh, I, I said, well, there's some things we can't go back and change, unfortunately. But, uh, but they, uh, no, they've been, they've been great people and great to, great to know, and it just kind of shows you that uh, you never know when uh, something uh, very uh, very interesting and uh, special and exciting can happen in your life. And, uh, but sometimes you've got to reach out and give it a little push, and uh, I think uh, the search you know, finally produced it. And the interesting thing was I said to them, I said to them, did you ever meet my parents? And they said, oh, yeah. They said, you know, uh, 
the same thing was they, they the similarity was that they had the same doctor. My mother that I knew growing up had something wrong with her that she couldn't bear any children. Meanwhile, this doctor is also servicing a teenage girl who's going to have a baby but give it up. So he thinks, well, I'll make everybody happy. I'll just broker this whole thing. And wow. so uh, he, he put it all together. And I said, did you ever meet my parents? And they said, oh, yeah. When, when they found out I was ready to give birth, they were at the hospital making sure I wasn't going to change my mind. And so um, after I gave birth, the, I was going to take the bus home. And, and the, the doctor said to your dad, can you give her a ride? And I said, well, that must have been an interesting, uh, you know, ride. I hear, hear you're, you know, you're, they're worried that maybe you're going to find out where they live and they show you exactly where they live. And, and, um, and she said, no, the priority was getting you home. And, and they, you know, he dropped you and your mom off and then he dropped me off and said, we're going to take good care of him. And, uh, that was and it. she said, actually, until, you know, until the phone call that I gave her, she wasn't positive that we actually had moved out to Los Angeles. She thought maybe the doctor had told her that so that if she had any ideas about trying to, you know, uh, to have me uh, for her own after she gave birth, that maybe that would uh, wow. dissuade her from thinking that. But she, yeah. she didn't know until I talked to her that we actually had done that. So, so it was uh, filling in some blanks, you know, for them as well. But, wow. but it ended up being a great story. And yeah, like I said, there's a lot of bad uh, <clears throat> reunion stories of, of adopted uh, parents and kids. But, uh, but if we were on uh, Dr. Phil or whatever, we would, we would have to be one of the, one of the good stories. That's, that's for sure. That's a great, great story. And I'm so happy that, uh, you found them and that you've able, been able to establish a, a loving relationship. I followed kind of from afar and it's made me really, really happy that, uh, you've been happy with what came about when you searched for your birth parents. Fantastic. Wheels. Uh, we've got about 10 more of these things we've got to do. We've got 10 more. Of them. <laughs> I'm up for it anytime. And, uh, if you want to do every 22 episodes, that's fine. If you want to do it sooner than that, that that's fine too. I mean, you know, I, you know, retention, of course, is always uh, difficult for for us these days. But uh, but I think uh, I think we between the two of us, we can come uh, you know piece together some some pretty good stories. And uh, I know one of the great uh, sporting events I ever attended was uh, Game Five of the uh, of the American League uh, playoff series with the Mariners and Yankees, and it was with you. And uh, that yeah. was uh, one of the great. Yeah moments and events I've ever been at live as a fan and yeah. so uh, so that that's a great story and we've got a few other ones uh, I'm sure that we can uh, we can conjure up if we think hard enough plenty plenty up our sleeve thank you Brian good luck to the Portland Trailblazers good luck to you on the road with the Portland Trailblazers and we'll speak again real soon thanks so very much for doing this and your friendship throughout the years it makes a it means a whole lot to me thanks again my friend I love okay. you love you too Brian Wheeler with one of my all-time true feel-good stories I was over at Evergreen Golf Call again the other day. A great energy to that office. I love having them as an unfiltered sponsor. Evergreen is the premier wealth manager in the Northwest. Founded about three decades ago, a homegrown Bellevue firm that not only believes in but participates in this community, which makes me like them even more. Managers of over $2 billion in assets. Important to note, that Evergreen does not take commissions on deals and invests right alongside of their clients. Tyler Hay was named one of the 40 under 40 by the Puget Sound Business Journal. Now having spread throughout the West Coast, offices in Portland and San Francisco, an office in Napa Valley, we're talking about the fastest growing wealth manager here in the Northwest. Evergreen takes particular pride at being a Northwest company with philanthropic efforts. Evergreen Golf Call, the premier wealth manager in the Northwest. Unfiltered.
Episode number 22, final segment of episode number 22, we've decided, with all due respect to Jim Palmer, Mm -hmm. and all due respect to Clyde the Glide Drexler, and our guy from the, at least played for Seattle University, Elgin Elgin Baylor, Mm -hmm. you and I both agree we're not going to come to blows over this. I mean, the guy leads the NFL history in yards rushing and touchdowns rushing, Emmitt Smith. It's It's got to be, right? It's a lock. Greatest number 22 in professional sports history so it's it's kind of episode emmett here mm-hmm. um you have to pick from uh, the requests of the the tweets um but before you do that real quickly there wasn't a pga tour event no there wasn't this past weekend nope. right no nope. they, they canceled because everybody was sick i can't wait. i was away you mm-hmm. were away they, they didn't have yeah. any kind of pga there's tour a lot event, of thumbs right? up tons of thumbs up he was impressive though Phil Mickelson. Oh, God, I was so pissed. But then everybody starts talking about, is he going to win the U.S. Open? Is that it's back at... Oh, yeah, it's back at Pebble at Beach. Pebble Beach. Right. And, and everyone's right. saying, those two courses won't look anything alike other than you know, the, the his, historical layout, the the rough, right. the greens, right. everything will be I dialed love, I love the U.S. Open at Pebble yeah. Beach, by the way. Yeah. I remember Dustin Johnson at number two in that rough around the green. He couldn't get the ball yeah. out of the... I think it was number two, the par five. Yeah, number two. Um you know, U.S. Open, and before we get to the next subject, U.S. Open and Phil Mickelson, that's a, that's a, that's a multi-layered relationship, oh. right? So you know that he's never won the U.S. Open. Mm-hmm. He's won all the rest. Mm-hmm. And, and God willing, he'll never win the U.S. Open. <laughs> but we also know that it's his birthday. That we, it's always his birthday. Oh, Remember, they all right. sing that's happy right. birthday to him. They sing to, to him, him. When he comes to the and, yeah. and it's Father's Day. And I've always mentioned this on the old radio show. He's really the only father that matters. Because he's the only one. He's the only one who knows how to really do it. Yeah. The parenthood thing. Yeah, yeah. And so Father's Day around the U.S. Open is not really for the other. It's really Phil's day. I wish people could see your face right now. Just the, makes you, me absolutely. I, say, I just, just want to throw up. The disdain is just palpable. Let's just say this. The day that he wins the U.S. Open and completes the career Grand Slam, you better find. You better run to the house here. You know where I live, yeah. and just put a put a bear hug around me. Just make sure that I don't get out of your sight. Okay, <laughs> that's all I'm saying. Okay, because, so because that because all the other stuff that I've been dealing with the last many years, mm-hmm. throw that throw, onto the. Yeah. that's just that's too much. The, that's like the mint in Monty, Monty Python. The guy who who blew up the the guy who blew up in a Monty Python. They he, he huge like seven hundred. Pound yeah. guy is eating this big meal and he's like huge in a pony pie. Yeah. And then they give him the after the dinner mint, the chocolate mint, and he just Boop. he literally pops. Yeah. The Phil Mickelson career grand that's the mint for that's me. It. That, that's where I blow. Okay, now you didn't ask me this as being one of the questions, but you got to tell me where where did the Phil Mickelson dislike? That's a whole podcast. Is it? Let's do a whole podcast right. on that. All right. Let's save that into because that's literally a whole podcast. All right. Uh, yeah, uh, we could we could do a lot on that. Okay. Yeah. Um, by the way, uh, there was video this week of Tiger Woods and Freddie Couples at Riviera Country Club where they're having the LAO. I call it the LA yeah, Open. Genesis. It's, I don't know. I don't know what they call Genesis. it. Genesis. The LA Open at Riviera, mm-hmm. which is a. I played. Uh, have you ever played Riviera? No. Oh God, it's a bucket list place. And I played well. The one the one game I've ever played at Riviera, I played very well, nice. which, I, which makes me like it even yeah. more. Of course, um, In and Out Burger. Have you ever had an In and Out oh, yeah. Burger? Sure. In and Out Burgers were delivered 
to Fred and Tiger on the practice tee at Riviera this week. And there's video of the two of them just chomping away at In N Out Burgers. Classic video. What they just they just uh, what? Uber Eats? What are they what, what what how do they what is going on? Huh? Uber Eats. Uh, yeah. Uh, I don't even know what Uber Eats is. I'm gonna be honest with you. But my, my son wants me to start doing Uber Eats. I don't even. I, I, yeah, how does Uber? Like Uber. Yeah, you, you know got, what Uber is. So you they, pay. You pay the driver. Yeah, they for, bring. Yeah, they bring you. Is the it car. worth it? I don't do it. I'm just saying. That's why I was asking. Was this? Does your family use any of those delivery services? Uh, grocery, but not groceries. Yeah, you have groceries delivered sometimes. Oh, that's cool. Sometimes. Although I'm a big. I don't know if you know this about me. Yeah, you're a big shopper. I, every Tuesday. It, yeah. Well, now it's been Thursdays for some reason. We got off track, but yes, it's 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 been. I love it. I, I love, I go to like two stores once a week. I spend hours in these places. Half of the time, it's trying to figure out how to get the produce bags open. I can't, my, I have big, fat, like broken fingers, like Fred <laughs> Flintstone hands. I can't get the damn You know, there's thing. a sign on there that's, that shows open on the bags. Yeah, like, it just still doesn't work for me. Yeah. It doesn't work for me. Okay. But I'm a, I, so I don't know how I would. This is like, getting way off track, by oh, the way. Okay. Yeah. Right, what do you want me to talk? What, what of the. Way off track. Uh, from, ep, from segment number one. Yeah. I mentioned a bunch of these things. Well, you have to mention, I mean, I think the question about uh, the Beano uh, episodes, yeah. I mean, that is a probably a primary one because I'm sure there's probably a lot of people okay. that want to know. David Couch um, on Twitter mm -hmm. writes, behind the scenes, there's a number, this is the one that had a number of questions, but the first few questions I can answer very quickly. Okay. Uh, behind the scenes on running a morning show, I'm, talk I'm assuming he's talking about the, ra the old radio yeah, show, not, yeah. not this. Yeah. Because the answers are different with this so far. Were most interviews taped ahead or live? Answer to that, as I would say in my morning show run of whatever, 20 some odd years, I would say 95% of the interviews that you heard with me were, were live. Mm -hmm. I would say once or twice a week, maybe, we would uh, record an interview with somebody who couldn't come on during the hours of the show. So that's, that's, that's the first yeah. question. Um, but we would always record it and, and uh, I, as I called it, record it as live. Some radio shows, you'll hear the, the guy said, I caught up with so-and-so yesterday or I right. caught up earlier before the show started. I caught up with, and here's a recorded interview. We never believed in that. Now, we wouldn't call it live. You would never hear me say I'm on live right. with so-and-so because that would just be misrepresenting sure. it. But we would record it from commercial to commercial. And so it would just be inserted by Slickhawk. He would just insert what we had done earlier. Mm -hmm. And typically you wouldn't be able to tell that it wasn't, it wasn't a live interview, sure. although I would never say live if it wasn't live, right? Um, are regular weekly guests paid? Almost always yes if they're regular and weekly. The guys that came on from time to time over the course of, of many months right. were not paid. Right. But yes, if... So the way that works is if you had a regular guest like Jason Lockenfor or Peter King, you'd go to the sales department and they would put a sponsor on it. They would go to a sponsor and say, would you, would you sponsor this segment each week? They'd bring in the money and then they would back out of that a little bit of money for the person who's sure. doing the thing. So yes, mm -hmm. almost always weekly guests are compensated on some level. Um, how much time did you work at the studio beyond 10 a.m.? Um, that changed over the years. Early in my career, I stayed a long time after the shows. And as I went along and got a little older and older and older, um, I, I did less and less. Those would be the times that we would record the interviews, right? We, ne we would never yeah. record an interview before the show at sure. 5 o'clock in the morning. 
So we would sometimes have to stay till 12 or 1 o'clock or 2 o'clock, whatever it was, to record an interview. Mm -hmm. But later in the, in the run, at KJR anyway, I stopped staying because I would do the majority of my work at night, which wasn't a great thing. That wasn't a great thing for me, uh, which we can get into some other time. Mm -hmm. uh, but I would do them because you can't really, on a sports show, prepare the next day's sure. show at, at 10 a.m. Yeah, you, 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 can't. you don't know what's happened. you right. got to wait for the games. Which to is, a, a t I would say, a severe disadvantage from a typical morning show, which is just, it's not based necessarily on exactly what's happening. It's comedy, sure. whatever. You could do whatever you want on a regular. We had to wait for the Mariners to play. We had to wait for the NBA to play. We had to wait for college back. We had to wait for the nighttime activities. Right. We couldn't do a lot right. after 10 a.m. So typically... I'd show up for the show. I'd do four hours, maybe be there a half hour. If I had a meeting with the bosses, we had to do that or a taped interview a little bit after. And then I'd go. Mm -hmm. And I might be home by or on the golf course by 11.30 or 12 noon. But then at like 7 o'clock at night until Whenever. sometimes 11 o'clock yeah. at night or 12 o'clock, I would put together the game plan, my game plan, with the help of the people around me sure. for the show. That's the way that works. Beano Cook's best Beano Cook story is uh, is an e that's easy, that's easy. Um, I think most people who remember my relationship with Beano Cook, Tuesday's Breakfast with Beano's, mm -hmm. also remember that I only met him one time, mm -hmm. face to face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Syracuse was placed in the East Region in Pittsburgh in the first two games, and my father, may he rest in peace, he he would sit in Florida and listen to our shows. He would be hit or miss late in his life about which shows he would hear. Mm -hmm. He'd press the button, it would come over the loudspeaker. The ones that he never missed were that he he never missed the Beano episodes. Mm. Never. Mm. He loved my father, who him and Beano were about the same yeah. age. Yeah. He loved the Beano Cook episodes. That's awesome. So much so that when we got when we got placed in Pittsburgh, my father called and said, Oh, oh, we gotta, we've got to meet. Oh, with it was Bino. it was your dad's idea. You know, well, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't go to Pittsburgh without meeting Bino okay, Cook. Right. But he's he's like, please set up a. I want to buy lunch. Come on, yeah. you got. I want to. We got to meet with Bino. And so I called Bino. I said, listen, my father and I, you know that we do the tournament. We're going to be in Pittsburgh. I, I knew you were going to be in. I saw that. <laughs> I was wondering whether you're going to call me. Um, and so we got together for a lunch mm -hmm. with Bino Cook. And it was Bino, me, my father, and my brother. My brother had uh, come up with my father uh, from Florida. Mm -hmm. And neither one of them was doing particularly well mm. physically. Mm -hmm. In fact, Bino would pass away just a couple of months later. Um, and we were in this restaurant telling stories. Essentially, my father and Bino going back and forth telling stories. Mm. We were in there, Jason, for three hours. We were the only people in the frickin' restaurant. Yeah. Telling stories. And it was a restaurant that was real close, like two blocks mm. from where Bino lived. Mm -hmm. And uh, the, 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 the lunch finally ended and my father came over to me and whispered in my ear, I want you to walk Bino home. Because he walked there. Mm -hmm. And he could not walk. Right. Hardly could walk. Right. But he walked there. And I just thought, it was two blocks, two big blocks. I was like, it must have taken him an hour mm -hmm. to, to walk. And he said, my father said to me, don't worry about me. Jay's with me. We'll meet you back in the hotel. You take as long as you need. Walk him. And I don't want you to walk him back to his building. I want you to walk him to his door. Mm -hmm. You walk him to his door. And I said, okay, I'll do it. No problem, Dad. So 
I walked with Bino. And this is like two blocks. You could hit uh, a seven iron from the restaurant to his building. Mm -hmm. It took us a good 30 minutes. Really? He had to stop. He he picked this restaurant. I'm convinced of it. There were a couple of benches on the way on corners. He would say, let me stop here for a second. He would stop and sit down. For about five wow. minutes. And then he would go another block yeah. and he would stop and sit down. I'm convinced that's the reason. Mm-hmm. And and we got to his building and he said, all right, it's great seeing you, great meeting with you. I said, no, no, I'm coming up. I'm coming up. And he said to me outside of his door, he said, I want you to know something. I want to tell you something. That Tuesday mornings at 11 a.m. are the highlight of my life now. Wow. And if you ever say that on the show, I will deny it and hang the phone up. <laughs> oh, that's and, so good. And unfortunately, during a radio show a couple of months later, Bino passed away and uh, I got the chance. It was it was it was touch and go. It was a, there was a good good chance. I mean, I, he, had, he was on for 15, 12 years, right, whatever it was. Right. Never met him. Right. I would never, you know, he would never go come to Seattle sure. because he didn't go on planes. You know why he didn't go on planes? Because the first thing you see when you get to an airport is terminal. But you see the word terminal. <laughs> so he never got on planes and I never oh. saw him. And that was a, it was a wonderful, what ended up being three, four hours, whatever yeah. it was of just telling Fantastic. stories. And, and, and so that's my, that's my favorite Bino mm-hmm. episode. Um, I'll give you, you can have one more. Oh, let's do the, uh. Let's do the question about, I know this will be, this is Corey, Alkai Corey Mm -hmm. says on Twitter, I know this will be a sensitive subject, not sure if former employer has the rights to these or not, but is there ever going to be a time where you'd be able to replay some of those conversations with Bino? Miss those so much as I know you miss them all, so keep up the great work. Let's address this, shall we? Sure. Are you okay with me addressing this? It's it's your your radio career. It's very... A radio career? What radio career? We're talking about your <laughs> interviews, your radio career. So, <laughs> so um, it's pretty clear, and this is standard, that anything I did on the radio station mm-hmm. is property of there. That they own anything that I did. Sure. Any audio that came out of the speakers from KJR, they own. Mm-hmm. So, really, this comes down to a very simple question. I'll make this very simple for you. And that is, I would love to play some of that stuff here and there. I think it would be great. Mm -hmm. And more than happy, more than thrilled to credit KJR and say it's courtesy of KJR and do what radio stations do all the time when they play stuff that's other radio stations' Mm -hmm. property and give Mm -hmm. them full and immense credit. And they're not in the mood, I don't think, to help me with this podcast. Mm -hmm. If it's their desire that I not play anything from my old radio show, then I'm not going to play anything from my old radio show, and that's just the way it's going to be. All right? All right. We didn't get to John Feinstein, and we didn't get to um, Sean Chabot. We didn't get to Phil Mickelson. We didn't get to Phil Mickelson. We've got lots. Yeah. So we'll have to get another episode. Sean Chabot. You don't remember Sean Chabot. Mm, I don't. Oh, that's a classic. <laughs> I don't remember it. Oh God, yeah. Okay, We're, we'll get to the, we'll get there maybe on the next episode. I gotta keep the notes of this one. Yes. Um, anything, anything left? Anything left for episode Emmett Smith number twenty-two? Anything left? No. Like the snow. Hopefully, it's gone soon. 
Uh, episode number 22 is now officially in the books. 